All right, hello and welcome to the At YouTube Podcast, episode number seventy six. I think we're at. It's uh, been a bit of a blur here, but we're <laughs> we're continuing to talk new album news by U two, as you may have guessed. The uh, I'm just going to fade that out right now. The uh, a new album has been released, as you're hopefully well aware by now, uh, going on a week almost now, and uh, the uh, folks at At U two have been chomping at the bit to talk about this album, of course. And so this is our third in our trilogy of songs of experience. <laughs> Hopefully uh, songs of ascent comes out almost as quickly as our trilogy has been completed. But uh, Matt McGee has told me that he wants to do a prequel trilogy as well to make a little more money off of this thing. So that'll be coming out in the next year. So anyways, on this episode, I have got beside my, t- besides my terrible jokes, I've got uh, to my left, um, Aaron, welcome back to the show, Aaron. Hi, hello everybody. Coming to us live from a attic. No, not sorry, the third floor office in uh, Ireland somewhere, right? No, England. I'm England. Sorry, <laughs> I called. <laughs> we'll get it straight eventually, and uh, keep going around the clock here backwards. I guess uh, Mason coming to us from New York. Welcome back to the show, Nate Mason. Hello, I'm actually in Aaron's second floor office. So. <laughs> Yeah, kick the floor, hit the ceiling. And uh, finally, Ken- Kenny from Scotland, not England, Scotland. We've got a... Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the program. We're it's definitely Scotland, not England. <laughs> I made that mistake in the pre-show, and uh, he promptly corrected me very, very efficiently. So uh, we are, uh, yeah, international broadcast. So hopefully, all the wires hold together as uh, as we have our discussion. We stream this live on our on the Good Stuff Twitch channel, as well as YouTube and Periscope. So uh, Twitch.tv/slash/GoodStuff underscore FM, I think, is the thing. But if you follow uh at you two on twitter twitter.com slash atu2 will of course tweet out whenever it goes live and uh we just recorded the episode so as you're hearing this it's hopefully been about a week maybe since the last episode but we actually just recorded it less than well just over 12 hours ago <laughs> so um there isn't a whole lot of new stuff to report on i'm sure stuff has actually happened in the world since uh we were last released an episode, but we don't have a whole lot of new stuff to talk about. So we're just going to jump right into our roundtable discussion of songs of experience. And uh, maybe just to start off with um, folks, where did you, where did you hear, or how did you hear, how did you take in the album for the first time? I don't think anybody, any of you were on anything that we've talked about this already with. So we'll just go in the same order again, Aaron, how, where did you well, first take I, in the album? That's an interesting point, isn't it? Because this is probably the first album where we probably had nearly half of the tracks made available to us before the actual album release, whether it came out as a illicit download or whether we were able to buy it, whatever. But in the past, we've only ever really had one or two tracks, you know, the normal thing, like the, the comeback single. In this case, we've had little bits of um, album drop through for a long, long time, even going back to a year ago with You're the Best Thing About Me, where the Cargo remix got released came out in the summer of 2016 or before it was taken down of course on the on the uh, on the web and then we have little things being played live and we've had the other uh, tracks coming out as the joshua tree tour progressed so this has been a more unusual album in my opinion in that unless you're able to actually shut off from all of those tracks which to be fair obviously you wouldn't be able to if you're a youtube fan it's it's made it in some respects a little bit more difficult to get to, to appreciate the album until the album came out, <laughs> if that makes any sense. The when I when I you know, we all have our rituals, and I think we've we've talked about it in the past. So normally I I would just download the album, and listen to it from track one right through to the end, and that's really 
how I, I still like to listen to the album. It, I took a little while with this one just to get into the groove, albeit, you know, it's uh, a very easy album to get into. It didn't take long to, to fall into it. But uh, so, yeah, my, for me, it was probably two weeks ago when the, uh, when the, when the floodgates opened and whoever got the CD managed to send it out to zillions and billions of us worldwide. And so <laughs> that's a long-winded story of getting the album out that you two did, but how about you, Aaron? What was your actual experience? Where did you, we talked a little bit about like how you actually would have, where and how you sort of listened to the whole thing start to finish for the first time. Was there, do you have a ritual for U2 albums or, or bands, your favorite bands albums that you like have to turn off the lights and sit in the car for an hour or whatever? When you first hear it, yeah, yeah, for me it's pretty much, very much been the case of listening to it, um, and the highest quality audio I can get, which has usually been CD in the past, um, and just listen to it with headphones and just listen to it two or three times in rotation. Don't skip any tracks, even the tracks I know. Just listen to it from start to finish till you just get into the groove. How about you, Mason? What was your first time hearing the whole album as a whole? <laughs> I actually did, um, I did give in and I did listen to some of the leaks. Uh, I think it was the, uh, it must've been the Monday or the Sunday before, uh, before it actually came out. Uh, Mason, uh, just hang on. I've got a, I'm just going to anonymize your face. So people, the police stuff, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, anyways, sorry. <laughs> I, I totally Boys and their toys. So was... <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. You... Uh, mostly because I was just, I was having a particularly bad week and I was like, you know what? I could just sit and wait for this album to come out or I could try something different. So I spent that week listening to just the songs that I hadn't heard yet. I didn't, I, I didn't listen to any of your, like you're the best thing about me, blackout, get out of your own way, American soul, little things. I skipped those completely. I just listened to the new ones. And then when the actual album came out and went to the masses, then I did my, I kind of pieced everything together and I listened to the whole thing uh, front to back a couple of times. Um, and I'm also my, the last album. I'm, I've only been a fan long enough for two albums. So um, <laughs> the only, uh, the only tradition I guess I had was as a complete surprise and they didn't do that this year. So that tradition was broken. So um, I just, True. yeah, I just, I, I took the old songs and I left them by the wayside and then I grabbed some of the, the new ones and then once the album was out out i put it all together and had a complete listening experience nice yeah experience how about yeah how about you kenny what was your uh, first time experiencing songs of experience um, <clears throat> i think i was one of the few that um refused to listen to the leaks um i didn't either so here we're... oh well good magic um i um I waited till day of release, as I always tend to do with these things, because I'm quite sad and traditional, I guess, that way. Um, and I just put on a, a set of headphones um, uh, and just listened to it start to finish. See about, like, uh, Aaron, I was actually a bit... Um, I was approaching it with a degree of trepidation, because um, I'd heard a couple of tracks, obviously, that had been re released, uh, Blackout and uh, American Soul, which got my head sort of spinning a wee bit wasn't quite sure what was going on um but uh, first time was on head headphones uh second time was on headphones and actually a lot in car listening to it because it's just simply well I, I really haven't had it off actually um it's a really easy album to get into so it is um i'm not really 
kind of one of these ones for having huge traditions other than I mean I used to go out and buy the record and put it on and, and, and listen to it when I got home and stuff like that. I still remember the day opening up Rattle and Hum and stuff like that. But um yeah, it was be it'd be on Dave Ruiz. I certainly had two or three spins at it. And I had to think about it as an album for a while, albeit it's very accessible. But right. Good. Yeah, so we'll we'll do a bit of we'll sort of do the track by track thing like we have in the past, but try to um, mix it up a bit as we talk. But um, Aaron, you had Stephen some thoughts on um, sort of getting to this point, getting to the album, uh, getting it out in the world. How long it's actually been in uh, production oh. and recording and mentioned? It's been forever. Yeah, it's been absolutely forever. I mean, if you go go back, I mean, really, this you know this whole recording has been going all the way back to the very start of. Uh, songs of innocence in, in effect and you can see that from the liner notes you can see the producers you can see there's quite a lot of um, rollback on songs in any case so just the where they've been in the recording studio around the world um and they've they've obviously had a a, a bit of a revisit to it um during the end of last year but uh certainly the, the i think the record of this album some of the songs are going all the way back to to 2011 2012 um, once the uh, No Line on the Horizon tour had finished. And, um, you know, you two are dreadful when it comes to recording albums. You know, they'll, they'll admit that themselves, that they, they, find it, they find it very, very hard to write the songs, uh, record the songs, I should say. They don't find it so hard to write them. But um, it's always a, a real difficult birth for, for any uh, U2 album. And this is just this is just the normal, isn't it, really? It's, we've, we've been used to it now pretty much since... In the mid '80s, to be perfectly frank, this is the way the way they they do their their, their business. I mean, there's been very little um, uh, spontaneity in in U2. I think probably Zuropa was probably the last time there was a genuine spont spontaneity. And despite what Bono always says, it's always nonsense, isn't it? You never believe what he says. He always goes, says how it's going to be recorded and it'll be out next year. We had that with the songs of innocence, so yeah. I think quite a few of the tracks literally will have gone back to some of those sessions back in 2013 and 2014. And they will have been recorded at the time with a specific purpose to go on this album for sure. I mean, I, I would imagine the, the the main bare bones of the album were, uh, rec you know, were determined back, back several years ago. Um, and I think you can see that just with the, the number of producers that are, are named on, on some of the songs here, you know, we're we're, we're seeing the likes of um, I just took some notes down. Paul Epworth on uh, "There Is a Light," which obviously has a connection back to song for for someone. So yeah, you know, there's there's lots of uh, in, interaction, I think, in, in in the recording of these these two albums. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's it's been interesting to or be interesting to see actually the sort of chronological if you could see a map or timeline of each song and where and where it was recorded, where, and where it was mixed and re-recorded and remixed and, you know, different producers touching it and different lyric changes and stuff. Sort of like a, yeah. if you're a programming nerd, a, a, a Git <laughs> workflow of, of how it was all connected and uh, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think, I don't know if YouTube takes that uh, rigorous of notes of, of stuff along the way as, as possibly evidenced by um, Bono still getting, basically soul Bono and Edge getting soul writing credits and the band getting music credit, even though potentially there's other people involved along the way. So um, with, um, with the opening track of love is all you have left, all we have left, sorry. Um, what would you, what was your thoughts on, on sort of when you, when you first hit play on the record and that was the, the track that greeted you, I guess. Um, well, I mean, every U2 album normally starts off with a fairly, 
Uh, it's usually a single, first and foremost. Calling the calling card single, as Bono normally describes. You know, whether it's Beautiful Day, uh, Vertigo, typical examples in in more recent albums. Um, so, so this is a very different song, isn't it? Because you know, it's a very quiet, very warm, uh, very natural sounding song. Quite different to anything else they've done. You know, I can't recall uh, you two starting off with the ballad on on anything before. So quite unique in this case yeah how about you mason when you first fired it up and, and that was what you agreed with uh yeah i thought it was musically it's not really it's not really my thing just the the synthesized stuff behind it and that little you know fairy like in the background that's kind of not really my thing but the lyrics themselves are fantastic in it um and as i mean we can go into a completely different kind of a level of fanness here, but to me, I thought, "Oh wow, Bono referenced uh, Harry Potter just there with the baby cries on the doorstep." That was my—I mean, I'm sure there's something else to it. There's something biblical, but that's where my—that's uh, where my mind went. And it's just—it's a—it's a neat little—it's a neat little song to kind of tell you that this is something. This is something different. This is something that you need to pay a little bit more attention to because we're not giving you comfort food right out of the top. We're gonna make you think about think a little bit and you're going to have to earn this album more so than just consume it uh, or digest rather than consume i should say um and it's just a neat song it feels like a it's a song that feels like it feels like dawn it feels like that little time before the sun like the sky starts to light up but the sun hasn't quite risen and it kind of has that coldness to it and i kind of i really like it strong strong song yeah that's a good description of it. How about how about for you, Kenny? Does it? Because uh, I, I can see the song being like one that turns people off at first. They're like they're expecting the like Aaron was saying like a hard rock, some sort of like obvious U two sounding thing, and then to be greeted with this. But what was your sort of initial gut reaction, Kenny? So uh, I mean, as as a song, uh, it was it was different. It wasn't probably quite what I was expecting, bearing in mind what I'd heard beforehand. Um, but I would what I would say to it is is the more and more I've listened to. Um, this for me is like MLK on Unforgettable Fire. And I don't know why I kind of keep going there. There's actually a couple of songs in this album that I can kind of always in more head chase back to the album. You know, whether it's uh, Construct or, or what it is, I'm not really entirely sure. Um, but um, yeah, it's um, I think it's a great, great wee song. Um, and I think, to be honest, it's just an introduction to, to Bono, and I think his the vocals in this album are pretty amazing, and I think it's just a really good setup um, to what's to come. But yeah, construct-wise, it just reminds me, quite bizarrely, of MLK, and I'm, I'm not quite sure why it does, and I was trying to think about that when I was driving home from work this evening, because I thought I'll need to try and say something deep and meaningful. Um <laughs> But I can't really come up with anything deep and meaningful uh, in it. But it just there's something resonates in there. As I say, whether it's just the song structure or what it is, um, but um, I, I really like it. I have to say, I really like it. But as I say, I think it just kind of it shows Bono's vocals off, which I think is probably what MLK did to a degree. And I think it's even just some of the tones and the grittiness of his voice that kind of comes through, um, uh, comes to the, the forefront in this song, and it kind of carries its way through the album actually. So. Um, yeah, I really yeah. It gives a it's that sort of Bono's vocal front of front of the mix instead and uh, instead of sort of buried yeah. in with everything else and the half cool. sing half talking kind of uh, 
Bono that uh, I really dig. I think reminds me of a little bit of Robin. Sorry, go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, I just wondered, does anybody think it'll be played live? Because theoretically, it should be hard to do. <laughs> I wonder if it'll make the live shows. Yeah, I think on the previous episode, we were, people have been theorizing that it could be the opener on if you go for one sort of emotional hit as, you know, instead of the um, Miracle of Jewelry or Moan start, um, but more of the, just like uh, Mason said, like this is what we're how we're going to introduce you to this concert is with this kind of vibe instead of a big rock show. But uh, what do you mm. what do you think, Mason or Kenny? I mean, I I think that they're going to start the shows on the E stage and then move to the I stage just because it it makes symmetrical sense. So I could definitely see like a little bit of reversal where the band comes in on the. The band starts at the E stage and then Bono starts at the I and kind of sings it as he goes his way down. And then maybe you jump into American Soul or Blackout or something like that. And this would be like a little precursor, but right. you never know. We'll find out soon enough. Yeah. We're going to save the tour discussion for another episode that we'll do, I'm sure, one or two on the, the tour discussion as well. <laughs> Getting ahead of myself here. Uh, but uh Lights of Home, I guess, Mason, you sort of referenced it as a, or referenced Love is All We Have Left as kind of being in that dawn period. And if, then I guess Lights of Home would be the obvious kind of like. That's that's sun, that's the sunrise. Yeah. Right there is Lights of Home. That's I when see. you, uh, you want me to just go right into yeah, it? Yeah, where does this I got song, a lot to say. yeah, <laughs> go ahead. This, if people remember a few, a few podcasts ago, uh, I think around the blackout letters time, maybe a little bit after, um, I mentioned that. I'm if I were to put money on what song is going to be my favorite, I said lights of a home and I don't know if I'm just, I like confirmation bias or if I actually feel that way, but this is definitely, this is my favorite song. This is one of my favorite songs that there's ever. I think it is just absolutely, it's absolutely brilliant. Just the, the conversation that Bono has with God. It's just, I mean, the chorus, the chorus from a thematic perspective, I think is one of the best they've ever had. And what is most is usually the most throwaway lyrics just something that sounds good this one sounds great and has so much meaning to it like hey now do you know my name is saying you know i i I, i'm doing this so much to serve you and this is kind of how you acknowledge that like do you even know me do you even care and then Mm. almost and then the, the next line goes into well if you can't if you don't know my name can you at least tell me where i'm going like can you tell me what is I think I Bono, I think believes in the afterlife, but can you tell me what is coming up? And it's just, like I said, it's, it's thematically rich. It sounds good. The song's got a thumping beat and, and it just ties together perfectly with songs of innocence where it's got the lights of home as in Cedarwood road, but then ends on a, the, the same ending as Iris. So they just, the three of them come together. That's why I come together perfectly. And that's, partially why I think we're definitely getting songs of ascent is because they're doing so much with trilogies. Like if you put lights of home at the top of the pyramid and then Cedarwood road and Iris at the bottom, that's, that's an entire statement that's on its own with full range of emotions and thoughts and philosophies and ideas. And just the idea of the lights of home, there's no, let's just say there's no, co- it's not coincidence that the, the album, the, the bonus album has, a uh, uh, mix or whatever remix to it called the St. Peter's Strings, like literally the lights of home, home, like yeah. afterlife, home, or whatever, wherever you came from or wherever you're going. I just think, I think it's amazing. I love it so much. Uh, 
So I'll see the floor. <laughs> my filibuster. <laughs> how about you, Kenny? Thoughts on Lights of Home? Um, uh, Crikey, how do you follow what Mason's <laughs> just said there? Um, yeah, go to Aaron instead. No, um, You don't have to have a thought. You I, can just... <laughs> I, no, no, no. Um, I guess for me, it's the, the musicality piece that, that sticks out. And, you know, I think the words resonate in there. And I haven't quite... Um, I know a lot of our, our colleagues, if you want, on uh, at you two are kind of right into the, the, the lyrical side of things. And I tend to kind of pick up and, you know, is that a good tune? Does it make my, you know, the hair on the back of my neck stand up? And then, all right, let me have a think about what he's probably trying to say. Um, but I think it's just a great song. Um, and again, as I say, you know, I think it's a big theme for me here, but I think Bono's lyrics are, or not his lyrics, sorry, his vocals on this album are pretty amazing, actually, so I do. And I think that's another song that kind of really uh, draws that out, so I do. So, great tune. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, it's by far the best track on the album, by a long, long way. It's uh, And it's the it's brilliantly f- to follow the first track as well. I mean, straight into the opening line on the second song, is uh, is just awesome the, the lyric, and it's a co-write as well with the uh, the girl band Haim, well, not girl band but female all female members, and um, I've tried listening to the track that it's referencing from Haim, and I can't I can't see the connection at all. <laughs> Obviously, Edge is very very clever at being able to pick out a riff because the riff that goes throughout the whole of this song between him and Adam is pretty awesome. It's one of the best you two have ever done. No two ways about it. It's a great hook all the way through. And I think that's what captures it and keeps the attention straight away. Because if it was probably put anywhere else in the album, it wouldn't work as well, this song. So I, I love the way that this this has been sequenced. And Edge in particular said they probably spent as much time sequencing the songs for this album as they have recording the damn thing. So it's, you know, there's there's a lot of clever stuff going on in there in that song. It's It's pretty much packed for its uh, five minutes. Yeah. Um, and so from there, we drop into You're the Best Thing About Me, which, you know, we're all, we've heard quite a bit of, I guess, in, in terms of being available beforehand and, and things like that. And uh, um, and there's sort of that, um, that I don't know, the You're the Best Thing About Me and Get Out of Your Own Way sort of feel like two, two songs that are either two sides of the same coin or I don't know, but where they're pop-friendly, radio-friendly kind of songs um, and and kind of like you you might gravitate to one or the other or both i guess but um aaron you had sort of tagged get out of your own way as, as something that was a song for you anyways that you were interested in what's what draws you to that one yeah i think it's um i think it's got a lovely laid back feel to it um the 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 again the production is really strong this is a uh, the first song i think this is the first song that ryan ted is involved with and you can see Bono has been for many years quite desperate to get U2 back in the charts, you know, with the singles and whatever, and it's not going to really happen. I mean, it's as he, as he describes, the charts are broken now, so it's, it's not going to happen. But, you know, but they still stri- he still strives for that, um, for that classic pop single. And it is, the, you know, these two songs are, are, are pure pop. Um, and, you know, I think Ted has done a, a, a fine job on, on both of the songs with a, you know, uh, you're you're the best thing, and and get on your own way. Um, I've been fortunate; I've heard both of those songs live as well. Because um, I uh, was able to go to the MTV show in London. Oh, right! And 
they were good. They were really very impressive uh, live because to, to to reproduce the sound like they did, I was pretty impressed because they're, they're they're quite poppy and uh, Edge has got Edge is a very underrated vocalist. Um, yeah, he un, he underscores Bono's vocals all the way through both of these songs, and uh, he, he's got a he's got a good voice, you know. I'd quite like to see Edge sing a lead on one of you two songs again. <laughs> how about uh, how about you missing anything on either of these two that jumps out at you? Uh, it was fun to hear "Get Out of Your Own Way" when I went to SNL a couple weeks ago, and I love, I love "You're the Best Thing About Me." I just think they're they're two very strong songs. That one of which maybe harkens back to the old days a little bit too much uh, with "Beautiful Day" and "Get Out of Your Own Way." But that's a conversation for another time. Uh, I, but uh, that does kind of go into an overall thought I had. The track listing in this is very interesting. Uh, those songs just feel, Lights of Home, Best Thing, and Get Out of Your Own Way feel a little bit out of order almost. I don't know. I'd love to see anybody who wants to put together a... Uh, a retrack listing of the album and, s- and send it to us. Cause I would be interested to see other interpretations of it. So those three are in the wrong order or those should be like somewhere else completely. No, I think lights of home is in a good spot, but uh, you're the best thing about me. Does feel like it's not in the right spot. That would be, I think that'd be better off towards the back end of the album. Um, but we'll, we'll get to some other issues I have with it in a, in a little bit. I promise. <laughs> The, I think what it was on the previous episode. Someone mentioned the the um, sci-fi remix of "You're the Best Thing About Me," and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the right one. And that how that one might have fit a little bit better, just thought, sonically in terms of the coming out of uh, the first two songs, sort of being more yeah. spacey, more ethereal, or whatever. And so um, maybe just even a production choice or a mix choice on that one. That kind of they went with the radio version, radio friendly version on the album instead of just you know. A, the one that might've been best for the album and have a radio single that's sort of separate from or whatever. But um, there are definitely songs that are much more stripped down than, than others. And and they, they space the other ones out pretty well, but this one just felt a little bit, a little weird. Uh, Maybe get out of your own way or lights of home should have been more live, if you will. Right. So, but yeah, they're very tightly small song. Um, American soul is one that you would have, you saw as well at SNL, right, Mason? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Aaron, they didn't do that in Trafalgar, though, right? They were they hadn't. Uh, no, yet. no. Uh, I think they've only done it once at the show you were at, Mason. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But yeah, thoughts from on American Soul, Aaron, that you had? Well, I have to be honest with you. I don't like the song. I really don't like it. Um, I thought it would change for me when I heard the album. I quite like. I, I like the link between Get Out On Your Own Way and American Soul with Kendrick Lamar. I have to say, I bought the Kendrick Lamar some months ago, and I don't like that album either. I'm quite a fan of hip-hop, but he just doesn't do it for me. Um, but the song, yeah, the song's okay. Um, I really like Volcano off Songs of Innocence, uh, like Matt McKee, as you know. Yeah. And uh, it, um, it's too, it was just a bit too similar for me when I when I first heard it um, in terms of the refrain with the lyrics and perhaps it'll change for me as time goes by, but I don't think the band, it, it's appropriate for the band to, to, to play that type of song. I don't know. It just, it, it would have fitted them better 10 years ago or so, but 
just find them a bit too old to be trying that type of song now. Right. <laughs> How was the live performance, Mason, at SNL of it? It was good. It, it sounded a lot better in the studio than it, than it did on TV, uh, at least from what I've heard. I actually haven't seen the episode yet. Ooh, whoopsie. <laughs> but it, sound, it sounded really strong. Uh, they, the Edge's guitar, he add, I, I'm always fascinated that the choices that he makes to kind of add guitar live when there isn't any, uh, like in Get Out of Your Own Way, he adds those little chords <laughs> chords is that it i don't i know nothing yeah, about right. guitars so he, yeah he, oh cool he just uh it definitely it definitely gave the effect i think they were hoping for it was very it was very loud and kind of woke you up a little bit so uh, i was very happy with Amer- american soul nice how about uh from our scottish representative uh, american soul for you kenny well, I, I was kind of, I was in the same camp as, as Aaron was because, in fact, I think we both exchanged comments on Slack when it came on at first. Um, and and it probably part of this whole mystery of this album and how it kind of was born and it appeared and it was released to the public. Um, I'm still not quite entirely sure what the plan and strategy is around it at all. Um, you know, the, the seek from Get Out of Your Own Way to American Soul, I actually think works really, really well and actually makes me settle on the song a lot better. So it's grown on me. Um, a wee bit like Aaron, the very first time I heard it, all I heard was Volcano. And I was like, oh, hang on, what's going on here? Um, but actually, I, I think I've kind of blended that out of my uh, out of my head the more I've kind of listened to it. It's an okay song. Um, I think it's a trying a wee bit too hard song um for me um but i can imagine it could you know i can imagine it be i can imagine it live it'll be pretty cool actually i think um but it's more of a grower on me um but certainly the first time i heard it i was slightly appalled so i'm, I'm not in that territory anymore I, I hasten to add as i say i really like the, the seek from get of your own way to american so i think it's really quite classy but we'll still be down the front jumping up and down to it anyhow so. <laughs> okay we will yeah Crowd surfing. I like, yep. I like that tagline that they can put on their uh, the reviews. You know, listing they'll say Kenny slightly less appalled <laughs> for this song. <laughs> a little good promotional effort, but I get. And is there any element? I, I put this to. I think it was two or three Americans on the last episode, so they had their their angle on it. But the three of us as non-Americans, not counting Mason, obviously here, but we can say. I, I was wondering about the like. Does are we are we done with U2's fascination with America? Does another country need a song yeah. or two? That's my I'll, I'll just put Canada up there, but whatever country New Zealand had a song. You know, can we get I don't know, Sweden or somebody anyways get get a came here looking for Canadian politeness. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have the quite ring. Same quite ring, I know. No. U2 is t- as tied to America as they could possibly be. They Bono loves it, and you know he's one of the only ones at this point. I mean, uh, and I think uh, I was watching some of the Spotify uh, behind the scenes videos early on, and they got to there was a little six minute video, "You Two and America" or something like that, and he said basically America isn't a fully formed idea yet, and Bono's going to be, you know biting his nails and staying up all night to watch TV to see when that eventually comes. So no, I don't think they're done. I think they're still, they all have an, a deep rooted obsession, love and admiration for the country. So, uh, and, and as we've seen, 
it is full of subject matter and yeah. the place is the place is a circus so there's plenty of things to pull from <laughs> how about you Aaron are you- which as an American I can say you guys if you say anything bad about my country <laughs> oh revolutionary war all over again yeah, yeah. coming for you <laughs> I think they have I think they have overplayed the American tribute style song a little bit too much because it's it's been on the last three four albums a, a song almost dedicated to to the states so yeah um I hadn't given it much thought before, but yeah, now no, you say oh, it. Sorry, if I've put it in your brain now, now you won't be able to yeah. <laughs> enjoy American Soul. <laughs> I'm holding out hope for a song about Saskatchewan. That's my province. So we'll see if uh, the next the next album. It's hard to rhyme though, isn't it? Yeah. It's hard to rhyme. Saskatchewan. <laughs> Neil Young did Running Back to Saskatoon. So that's my that's the city I live in. So I, we've got that at least going for us. But uh, yeah, that's funny. We'll see. Um, Summer of Love, Kenny, you had uh, sort of tagged this one. And, and what are your thoughts on on this? track six yeah um i just think it's a magic track um mm. um i mean it's it's there's a couple of songs on on this album which i think stand out because of the simplicity um, and this is one of them uh, and when i say simplicity i mean just in terms of production um there's some serious heavy lyrics going on there um i could almost hear um bb king you know, sort of speaking to Bono again about, you know, way heavy lyrics, young men. Um, but I, I actually, I just think the song, if you actually don't think too hard about the lyrics, it's a cracking tune, great song. It does do the the, the hairs on the back of my neck. Um, but it also, it just, it also um, confounds me, if that's the right terminology, how you can bring something as kind of sort of light and as tuneful and as simplistic as a song and mm. put the lyrics that kind of go along with it. So I know I said earlier, and I haven't really gone into the lyrics in great detail. It's hard not to um, with that song. And I don't know if, again, it's just because of the quietness of the uh, the the rest of the, 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 the band on it. And it's very much, again, about Bono and his, his vocals for me. So it is. Um, but for me, that's just one of the standout uh, tracks on the album so it is um and again i think it's you know maybe it's just because some of this some of the tracks which are the rest of the album which is you know don't be as, as wrong as good but feel a wee bit overworked whereas this one i think they just got it quite right how about you mason any uh connections to little thing or not little things sorry getting ahead of myself here a little bit summer of love <laughs> i think it's i think it's fine uh it's okay i mean my main problem with the album which i mentioned earlier is that and maybe this is just dealing with my own expectations or bono's speechifying but it's a song labeled as a collection of letters to friends family audience etc etc and then after it gets through a chunk of those it stops down and we have two incredibly stripped back rock and rock and pop songs with this and red flag day about refugees and don't get me wrong that's an incredibly important topic and subject to write about but it just feels out of place like songs of innocence you could say yeah well that has a song about domestic violence and a pedophilic priest fair but those are at the end of the album after the main narrative has been told you know and this one it just sort of they pop up in the middle and then they go they go away and it just it's a little jarring for me. The songs themselves are fine. Summer of Love is a little unforgettable. Red Flag Day, I think, is actually pretty brilliant. It sounds like it could be on war, but um, I don't know. The, the point in which I kind of 
said, oh, this maybe this, this section of it isn't for me was in the Summer of Love area. But again, it's a fine song. It's better than a lot of other things I've heard this year. So <laughs> it's just okay. Yeah. Just okay. Red Flag Day for you. Um, it's interesting, actually, listening. I don't. I can't say this definitively because I haven't played along with guitar, but I think both these tracks, aside from maybe the bridge, have uh, a chord structure that basically just repeats the whole way through, and so it's it doesn't have a different anything different in the chorus. It's um, and and I'm sure somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, and probably will. <laughs> but just listening along to it, um, it's just interesting that they're both side by side. I was watching someone cover it on on YouTube, or just a random cover, or whatever. They did sort of a slow piano version of red flag day and, and it kind of it really amazing to me how well it works as a without that driving sort of edge or atom baseline and stuff like that um but um yeah any any additional thoughts on red flag day as we sort of move through the album for anybody i think just, I think just what you just told oh, about the last, these last sorry the, these two tracks put together is that they're, they're very very simplistic um rhythms that are going through the whole of the the songs with edges uh style of playing on the guitar on uh, Summer of Love. And he's got a very early 1980s sound, very much like War, as you say, but also feels like, a uh, you know, the band The Cure, Robert Smith playing mm-hmm. guitar. It's very much uh, on Red Flag Day, for sounds like that. And also as well, what's quite different um, about these these songs in this album, but particularly these two, is Adam's bass lines, which are usually eighth notes. And what I mean by eighth notes is where he just plays the same, same note eight times in a row and then moves on to another chord. On this, he doesn't really play eighth notes on this album, not, nothing on these tracks. So they're very much in line with what Edge is playing. And there's a kind of a punky feel as well to Red Flag Day, which the song gets faster and faster and faster, you know, as it goes along. Um, so I think it shows a lot of, uh, a lot more technical ability from, from Adam that we're not really used to hearing. Same with Larry as well. You know, he, he sounds like he's been on a couple of drumming lesson courses, you know. <laughs> It doesn't sound the same, Larry, either. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a, the, the songs themselves aren't particularly experimental. They're not particularly. They're, they're a little bit U2 paint by numbers. But the band themselves have got out of their safety zone, which is, not, which is quite nice to hear. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, think that's a fair point, actually, because um, I think Larry's bought a couple of new drums for the sounds of it. There's oh, definitely some big heavy drum work going on in the background, yeah. um, and it makes the songs really, really big. So it does actually. Yeah. And more, uh, there's more digital drums, I think too, or, um, sequencers or whatever, um, at, at yeah. play too, which kind of leads me, I, w- I was watching the, I don't know what the mood was like in the room, Mason, but like, uh, the SNL performance, I forget which song I'm thinking of now, but, uh, it might've been, um, not American soul, the other one, but, uh, which one did they do? You're the best thing. Get out of your own Get way. Out of your right yeah. Too. The, the shots of Larry, at least on TV, looked like he was just kind of annoyed that he wasn't allowed to play drums at the beginning. He had to like wait for the the robot to play drums for a bit, and then he got to join in later. Whatever. He just, I mean, it's just a Larry face. So I mean, what what can you do? I guess. But it's it's just it's a classic case of resting Larry face. But uh, <laughs> he could be happy, he could be sad. He could be asleep. You never know. Yeah. Um, but one last thing on Red Flag Day, I just want to say that um, I'm sure this has been said already. So pardon me for repeating other people. Uh, this is the best singing Bono's had on an album and probably since probably since no line I mean at least for the notes that he gets in that uh that line at the end you know the only word the C can say is no 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 and he just goes higher and higher and just it's a it's a huge vocal and that's one of my favorite moments on the album and uh it just kind of that one gives me the gives me the chills and I can only imagine what that would sound like live I think that's going to be a real kind of show-stopping kind of moment 
especially with the visuals that they're going to have for that. Yeah. Maybe they do the, oh, I don't want to get into that. Sorry. I'm out <laughs> save it for okay. the, <laughs> <laughs> save it. I'll save my theory. It's okay. Sorry. I got my hand over the mute button in case everybody starts yeah. talking about the tour. No. <laughs> um, speaking of the tour though, and the uh, performing live, the, the showman is track eight and uh, um, yeah, it kind of lends itself obviously to thinking about what, how it will be performed and, and sort of like if, the, if it will be performed and there's kind of interplay between Bono and the audience in that one. So like Kenny, you'd said, it's kind of, it's a, it is a very Bono album in terms of the themes, not, not that unusual for the, for you two, but, um, it definitely runs through almost every song here. So, um, but Aaron, what did you, uh, what did you think upon hearing the showman for the first time or, or however many times well, you listen to it. Yeah, you have an image of what the song is going to be like, and it was nothing like I, th- I thought it was going to be like. After, I haven't read all about it, and there were, the song was going to be about the relationship with the fans. And Musically, it's a very jolly song, isn't it? It's a very happy, uh, unusual U2 song in that respect. We don't hear it very often. You know, probably a party girl type of song. You know, it's yeah. got that type of feel to it, to jubilation and celebration. So it was quite different in that respect. Um I haven't really, this is probably the one song that I haven't really spent a lot of time connecting with the lyrics. I'm still not totally convinced it's a song to the fans. It doesn't come across that way to me, but, uh, and the title, you know, the showman, it, it's going to take for a little bit of a while for me to get to, to get into this one. Um, you can see them playing it live. You can see them playing it on the B stage acoustically. That, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Does this one have drums in it? It doesn't, does it? I can't remember that. No, it does. It does. Oh, yeah. Very, it's deep in the background. Yeah. 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 That reminds me actually with just thinking of a little more better, which is kind of the, this weird phrasing that they added and they decided to intentionally put in the title as well, which aggravates some uh, grammar folks or whatever. But um, we we're talking about, and you're the best thing about me, I think. Um, and maybe it's the eggnog influencing me. So correct me if I'm wrong, but there's the line of um, you're the best thing about boy. And is that, um, a common phrase in either, I don't know, England, Ireland, Europe. Oh yeah. 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 Like it, to, to at least my, this year, my years, this year's <laughs> my years as, and other folks on the podcast before it's a very jarring kind of like, like it, it puts my wife off, off the song actually completely. Cause it's kind of like, just feels like a wrong phrase. Like he's, he's missing a boy, you know, or the boy or whatever, um, should be there in, in between. But yeah, uh, from, you're, you're saying it's, it's, it's an Irish phrase and isn't it Kenny? I'd say that's pretty, pretty. Yeah. Sounds normal to my ears. <laughs> yeah, I would probably agree. Yeah. I figured while we had a panel of experts on with uh, the Irish language, <laughs> we'd put it to you. So, <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the little things that give you away, I jumped the, jumped ahead a little bit earlier, but that's, uh, this is the song we heard in Vancouver when they opened the Joshua Tree tour and has been played various points. So we kind of had a frame of reference for it, but what did you think Mason of the, the album version when you finally heard that? I actually, um, I avoided this one actually. Uh, even I, I kind of counted it among the old songs that I've already, I already heard. So in that initial first wave of listening to it, I skipped over it. Just like how much different can it be? It's going to have the piano. It's going to have all that. And when I finally listened to it, it gave me my third head tingle moment of uh, uh, listening to the album. Just uh, hearing it live was great. And the Edge's guitar solo is fantastic. But in little things, it, you know, he starts singing and Edge goes, bow, now, now, now. And it just, it feels like, it feels like a lightning bolt almost. Like it just, it's, I can, like, 
one of my favorite things about edge guitar edges guitar work is sometimes i feel like i can see the guitar sound like in seabird road i imagine these like the opening to that i imagine these like slashing green lines of the of the chord or the note or whatever and this one it's just like this it's just like i said it's just lightning hitting the earth or something like that and maybe that has to do with the whole hurricane lyric or something but that song i wasn't prepared for it i really wasn't and it just it knocked me on my butt it was just it's fantastic (laughs) and it's i would say it's the best as an overall song i think it's the best song they've written since moment moment of surrender there's other songs i like more like seedwood road but for me that it just has so many layers and so many things going on and it just it's it's beautiful it really is and uh uh, I hope we get to hear some a, a version of closer to that than the Joshua Tree on the next tour because it's just that's a showstopper. It really is. Mm. The um, the the new Spotify song. There's another version of it that's uh, on mm-hmm. our website, and uh, I took I took my chance and had listened to that today. And it, it is the the arrangement for that is more similar to what we would have heard on the Joshua Tree tour with the piano because yeah. the piano is the piano is not to the forefront at all, is it? Of course. Um, no, on, on the album at all. It's a, a, a different arrangement. Well, rather, I should say, the, what we heard live is a different arrangement to what, what they did in the studio. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a fine song. And uh, what you just said there, Mason, about moment of surrender. It it is it is that type of song, isn't it? It's got that feel about it, and uh, it's uh, so it's probably the longest song on the album, I guess, as well. It, certainly, if it isn't, if certainly yeah, it, feels it is. Like it is. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So uh, it's uh, it, it's again another classic U two song that only U two can write. No, but no other mm-hmm. band in the world can do it. Yeah, it's a very U two song, and it is. I wonder if something with it. It's certainly a good song in its own right, but if it has a little bit to do with having sort of lowered expectations, at least for me, from having heard it live, thinking, "Okay, that didn't feel as big and as good as it could be," or whatever. And then hearing this, the album version, it was like, "Oh yeah, that's how that's what it needs to be." <laughs> and cool. uh, well, it. I've said this before, but little things was presented just presented from an overall like concert setting. It was presented terribly on Joshua tree. Like it just, it didn't feel right. The lighting was weird. They were on the, they were on one end of the stage and there was no accompanying visuals. And as great of a song as it was, I don't think you get the feeling of it unless you're 50 feet from them at, at either side. And I, it kind of understand why some people would leave during that song. Cause it just fell out of place. But now that we have an album to contextualize it and then don't don't mute me, Chris, but a tour that will hopefully contextualize it and give it some visual flair, I think it's gonna settle in much nicer than it did on on Joshua Tree. Yeah, exactly. Let's keep moving. Landlady is uh track ten. Uh Kenny, why don't you lead us off on on this one? Yeah. Um again, it's one of the stripped back songs, really, isn't it? Um I think Bono's vocals are great on it. I think the sentiment behind it is, you know, um, just some really clever lyrics in there. Um, uh, I think I don't really know what else to say about it. I love it. Magic. Again, it's it's another lovely song, isn't it? Where there's a you know the the melody and the lyrics are just weaving a lovely story all the way through. Um, this is the one actually. That, pretty much harks back to a kind of a songs of innocence theme, isn't it? Because most of the other songs that the lyrics are about now, here and now, or the most recent future, this one is going back to the early days. It could almost actually sat on 
songs of innocence quite well you know thematically for, for sure um yeah there, there was a lot of uh i noticed on twitter a lot of people were a little bit unsure about landlady that the phrase and using the, that in the context of his wife and was it uh was it meant to be almost derogatory or was it meant to be a term of endearment and again i suppose it depends which side of the continent you're on but for us over this side it's certainly a term of endearment in the context of the song so um you know, it's a nice tribute to Ali um, from the band, effectively, not just from from Bono. Yeah, I think I was asking that too about because it does feel a bit like the old lady who takes your rent kind of yeah, thing yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, uh, I know. yeah. But but yeah. obviously, in in context, I mean, we're not. I'm not worried that Ali doesn't understand or get where he's coming from on it. It just was a, a a title. The title of it, it just put me off the song, regardless of what the song was going to sound like. But the, the title isn't great, is it? Yeah, but uh, having heard it and, and knowing the story and all that kind of stuff, I won't repeat myself again. But it's yeah, it's grown on me a lot today. So or this far. So, um, Mason, do you want to? Do you have a comment on? Um, I got it. It's my least favorite song in the album, and I think it's gonna stay there. It's, I just think it's musically uninspired and lyrically heavy handed. I don't know. It's just, it's too wordy for my liking. And the, the one line I want to point out as being especially annoying was the road, no turn, no road without a turn. And if there was, the road would be too long. Doesn't do it for what? you. What? Do, what? I don't know what lyric generator Bono used, but he needs to find a new one. Uh, no, I don't know. It, like I said, it's just a little bit wordy, and I get it, but I feel like he, they're going. You're paving over a perfectly fine driveway that you're the best thing about me. You know, did basically, and it just right. it feels like a hat on a hat almost, and it's you know, and it's just. I listen to this band mostly for the musicality and just the instrumentation and how they put together melodies and chord progressions or whatever. And just the mood they create with a song. And this one, it just sort of happens. And I say, okay, that's, that's nice, but I'm going to move on here. But I, but it would not, it'd be unfair for me to say that the ending, the every magic potion to bring me back to you, all that was, that was lovely. But the, the song that came before it was just, mm, and it, but it does have another great Bono high note, so it has that going for it. But overall, I, like I, I put a ranking together of songs, and it's it started out in the middle of the pack, and then when I redid a ranking based on after a few more listens, it quickly sunk to the bottom. So it's not one I see myself revisiting. But I'm it's glad funny. you guys enjoy it. Well, that's, a, that's what I was going to say. Is it's just the interesting part of obviously you know never mind the millions of YouTube fans out there, but just even within our staff, how certain songs really resonate with other one group and other songs don't. And I know in the last episode, Sherry really like loved this song and couldn't get enough of how beautiful a song it was for Ali or whatever from Bono and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I agree. It's, it's just, that's just part of music and art and all that kind of stuff. And, so. and of course we may have different versions. We're guys, we're blokes. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're a lady. You'll ha- you'll have a different perspective of this, won't you? Right. Yeah, Bono's singing to me. You know, like it's. Yeah. And I get that, and life experience goes with it too. So I'll yeah. give the benefit. I'm sure it's a great song, but I haven't found that yet. For, for us oldies, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it is the yeah the sentimental part of it. I guess right, like um, which again the state that Bono apparently was in and writing it and stuff like that. So I, I actually just love the fact that we're you know people come at it from different perspectives. Yeah. I think actually, to be honest, I think that's what makes them quite a powerful band. It'd be pretty boring if everybody agreed anyway. 
Um, mm. But actually, you know, probably my only anecdote as well in relation to this, and I think Mason mentioned this earlier on, or somebody else did just in terms of running order, it's the one album that confuses me because it doesn't necessarily... It, it does feel like it does feel like bits and pieces of albums put together, or it's either that I just don't understand the running order, and maybe I'm not supposed yeah. to understand it, and I'm actually okay and I'm quite cool with that. Um, so maybe that's you know, maybe that's what brings out the kind of whole different aspects of it as a as an album overall. But I just like the I like the fact I love listening to the fact that just listening to what other people think about other songs because it makes me think about them in a different way as well. Mm. I love that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Do you have your hand up, Mason? For yeah, yeah. If I may, uh, <laughs> uh, I just every album and every concert seems to have a heart of darkness, and that to me is is little things and a song we're going to talk about. I'm assuming blackout. You have that. I think that's that's your heart of darkness, and then the last two songs are kind of the are bringing you back up to leave on a high note and make you feel good, and then you just stick landlady right in the middle. It's just it seems a little counterproductive to me. Just go if you're going to go say this is this is the point of no return and you know, this is our all is lost moment. Then go for the all is lost moment. Don't try to sprinkle in a little feel good song in there. You know, this slide that move that to the front and it's, and it musically, it's a little bit, it's much more simple than little things or blackout. So that's, that's sort of, that was my last real big problem with the running order. Just landlady was kind of just shoved it in there. I felt like it needed that's that point in the album needed to breathe a little bit more. Yeah, so you you can picture them having the most difficulty figuring out where to slot landlady, given yeah the other themes that are running along here and 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 the fact that it's the type of song it is and production wise what it sounds like and things it doesn't fit you know uh, musically maybe over here but lyrically it would have and and vice versa so but um, yeah you referenced the blackouts so let's jump to the blackouts and Aaron is this this feels like the other side of uh, American Soul for me where it's like a big heavy rock song matt i know has referred to this sort of as the vertigo sound or whatever from from uh edge um that kind of effect and like single sounding song but how does it sit with you aaron yeah i i have to say um i i loved the song initially then i started to dislike it now i'm back into loving it again and um the only thing i don't like about the song is i find the lyrics a bit weak i don't the 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 rhyming uh couplets as well with bono with you know, Ned and all those type of phrases that he comes out with. They they sound a bit naff, but uh, it's not the, not the best lyrics on this one. But uh, it's a real song that you want to start jumping up and down when you hear it. And you know, the album needs a song like that, and this is that this is that song. It serves that purpose. It's going to be fantastic live. I definitely want to be standing Adam's side of stage when it's being played live because he's. he's He's full, full blown out James Brown backing band on this one, isn't he? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely an Adam revival tune. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a very strong song, and I, I, I agree with Mason. It's it's one of the, you know, the Heart of Darkness songs that you know fit on every YouTube album. It'll it'll, it'll go down well live. This. How is it? How did it compare to like we heard the sort of single, not single, but a video release or whatever it was on Facebook originally, um, and that had like sort of the crowd and the energy of yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, how did it compare with when you heard the? Yeah, album? I mean, that, that that was a terrible audio, anyhow, wasn't it? Because it was a Facebook live. It was in mono. It was a real low bandwidth uh, version. So hearing the new the new version, the the album version. In particular, about all of it. it's meant to be a live version, the Facebook version, 
um, with a. It's obviously been dubbed a bit as well. There's been crowd noise added in or whatever. Yeah. So it's all a bit. It's all a bit murky in the mix. But uh, obviously, when you hear when you hear the the, the album version, it's a uh, so completely different. And uh, there's a hell of a lot going on in this uh, in this song in the background again. I think Jackknife Lee has done a fine job on this song, as he's done with a few of the others. I mean, he's also responsible for American Soul, You're the Best Thing, Lights of Home. I think all of the songs that he's worked on are pretty damn good, to be perfectly frank, from a production perspective. They're, they're fairly complex songs. I think he's done a good, very good uh, very good role. Um, all right, so let's keep moving. Love is bigger than anything in its way. I, I know I said, I said we were going to not do the album track by track, but then you just kind of fall into uh, wanting to go through every track because... Everybody has thoughts on each track, so that's what we'll do. So hopefully if you if you don't like that, then you've probably turned it off by now and you're waiting for the next episode. So. <laughs> but uh, Mason, uh, what I'm guessing you, this is one of the other songs that gives you the sort of where the streets have no name tingles on the back of your neck kind of songs. But uh, No, no, mine, mine are the top of my head, the very oh, okay. top. It's right under all the hair that I have to t- maintain. But uh, this is, I think um, every, every U2 song has its kind of the the songs of scale like you're you know with i'll just use songs of innocence as, as an example um that's cedar road to me is like your big just statement song and then there's always one song that's the magic song i don't know and for songs of innocence i think that's invisible and it's a type between invisible and every breaking wave and for for this album it's love is bigger than anything <laughs> this way it is it's so ethereal and beautiful and the the lyrics are it's 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 as wordy if not wordier than landlady but he they just the the melody and the way the song is composed it feels like a poem almost and it, it, it reads like you know like a song of experience from william blake or something like that and there's just so many little moments like um when i think it, i don't know what the terminology is but i'll call it the bridge you'll know what i'm talking about it says this beginning of um, if the moon like catches caught you crying on Kalani Bay, just the way that is the way that's sung by Bono and Edge and whoever else. And then the way that bridge, I guess, ends with when you think you've done, you've just begun. And it kind of goes, it just goes, the, the notes go up and, and it goes into edge. Like Bono says, descending from the heavens, like a boy's choir. And <laughs> the song is just, it's just stunning. And again, it's another Bono high note his oh is i if i could hear myself when i say is is ethereal like i said it's just it's a an amazing song and i've i've uh, i've since learned that we're going to hear it on the bbc special coming up in just a few days i think and i'm so looking forward to hearing that and, yeah with the strings hearing and the i don't know how i don't know where in the live set they're going to put it but they it's got to have a spot because that is a that's a lights up, you know, everybody's crying kind of song, I think. <laughs> or at least I am. I'll cry enough for everybody. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Kenny? What's uh what what are your thoughts with Love is Bigger? Probably not quite in the same place as Mason on this one. Um, not many people are, so don't feel bad about it. I just I'm in <laughs> on a crazy island all by myself. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, it, it's it's quite a big operatic kind of song, mm. isn't it? Or whether it's operatic or theatrical, I'm, I'm not quite sure. And, and I referenced um, Larry's drums, um, and, and there's certainly definitely, 
you know, the, how he plays the drums. So actually, Aaron, you were talking about Adam playing. I think Larry does play differently on this album. Actually, Edge does as well, to be honest. Um, yeah. Um, but that's the kind of bit that kind of, I guess, sticks out for me. Um, I, I don't not like it. Um, I'm not quite blown away by it. I'm not quite sure what it would sound like live, actually. That's an interesting thought. Um, and um, it, it probably feels quite produced to me. Um, so it does. Uh, maybe just a wee bit too overproduced. And I keep, I don't know, was it Matt? I heard Matt saying something about it, the kazoo at the beginning. <laughs> and that, you shouldn't have said that. That's that ruins like a bit of an earworm that's kind of stuck with me, yeah. so it has. <laughs> Curtis, you saw O Enigma, or yeah. whatever his name is, it got that into people's heads. <laughs> yeah, it's that's funny. a disservice to the kazoo, by the way. That's a hell of an instrument. Yeah, I know, I know. I apologize to all kazoos out there. <laughs> It is funny because it feels like one of those songs that to me, to my ears anyways, and this is again, you know, just my bias, my preferences, whatever, but it feels like a song that if you're a YouTube fan, of course you would love that song, but it's so it's refreshing again, just to hear a different perspective on it and, and how it could be like just a, whatever. I'm not, I know you're not saying it's like the worst song ever or whatever, but just that there's a maybe overproduced and there's a maybe more of a gem in there that, um, they kind of shined up too much, I guess. So, <laughs> but, um, which brings us to 13, uh, 13th track, 13, there is a light, um, sort of recalling, all, looping all the way back to the beginning. But uh, Aaron, what, do you, what are your thoughts on, on 13? Yeah, it, it's, it sounds a little strange, actually, sometimes to listen to this song, even now I've really got into the album, because not the fact that obviously it's very, very similar to song for, for someone, but also I don't think necessarily it almost feels like it's a, a bonus track on this album but it's not i sometimes think whether love is bigger than anything this way should have been the final song on the album and then this this, this comes in it, it still fits but equally it doesn't fit in my opinion it's it's a bit marmitey for me um i guess you know what marmite is <laughs> just to make sure um you know you either love it or you hate it and yeah, it's a type of soda, right? It's like marmite. <laughs> no, no, no. It's um, <laughs> what is it? No, yeah, I'm familiar with it. I'm just. <laughs> anyway, okay. You're really He's kidding. just messing with you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. As I say, the the song, the song. I don't think again has been written for this album. I think it was. It, this song probably existed in the, the format for the um, Songs of Innocence album and. You know, you can you can tell that in some respects because you know there's a reference in the co-production for Paul Epworth. So this song, in its format, has existed for a long time. In the same way that probably you know all the way back to those sessions that Chris Thomas did on um, how to smuggle atomic bomb. You know, Native Son became Vertigo. So I think it has that type of parallel relationship. Um, it, it just seems a little odd on this album. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, it's a very nice song. It's a very enjoyable song but it just seems a little bit out of place somehow, both sequentially and just the fact that it's on the album. How about for you, Mason? Does it, uh, do these ring true? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, like on that ranking that I mentioned, uh, this was actually at the bottom of my December 1st, 2017 or December 2nd, 2017 initial gut reaction. And it's slowly creeping up. And I think, uh, 
uh, like I've said, the I love instrumentation. I personally I don't like that it was pushed so far into the background, but the the lyrics in, especially are just are beautiful and the melody is really strong. And I do like the callbacks to song for someone and in this and it's a very interesting song to close out an album because you know I mean the last one was the troubles and which is a very strange song to end an album on but you know it this the album comes in at almost at you know at daybreak and it feels like this one ends and then the album ends at at midnight almost or at at dusk and it's it just it feels right to me it's much more it creates a really really strong mood and overall is a is a very good song and uh, one that I think I will like a lot more if I hear live. So <laughs> with the with the piano and drums and bass uh, balanced with the vocals. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do that uh, and still like with um, Volcano and stuff, if they still do the like a segue of the or a medley of the two songs or if they just, you know, include the bridge of it or whatever and how they sort of incorporate this now multiple callbacks and, and recycling of, of, of bridges or choruses or whatever in new songs and, and how people sort of resonate with that or, or don't, if they aren't familiar enough with the song, it doesn't even, you know, they don't catch that callback or whatever. Um, but, uh, it does create an interesting sort of production challenge, I guess, as they, obviously we're all anxious to talk about the tour. So we'll, <laughs> we'll just keep moving. <laughs> Um, and then the two bonus tracks, uh, three, sorry, bonus tracks on the deluxe edition, um, book of your heart, Aaron, where do you, where do you sit on book of your heart? Is it a, I think it's one of the best songs they've, they've, they've ever recorded. Again, I can't understand It's just one single, uh, bonus track on the deluxe version. I feel sorry for anybody who has got the deluxe version because they're missing out an absolute cracker of a song. Um, it's a very weird song, isn't it as well? It probably may not fit so easily on the album to be sequenced. I think if it did fit on the album, something would have to give way. You know, the, perhaps perhaps this is um, this is a harder darkness song, isn't it? Really? It, it oh yeah, also, absolutely. Perhaps it, it perhaps it could have took the place of landlady. Who knows? But uh, Mason agrees. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's it's wonderful. It's a uh, 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 this one is uh, produced by Andy Barlow, and again. Like the first song on the album where he produced, you know, it's a very uh, electronically electronic sound. And you know, if, you, if you're familiar with Barlow's work on Lamb, it's that's 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 his vibe. That's what he does. And uh, to say he's, it would be interesting if they record with him again in the future because he would take them into a different direction, out of their comfort zone. You know, out of this paint by numbers style that you two are really very much in since pop, even. You know the. I think that he would really challenge them to uh, to write and record in a different way. I hope they work with him more in the future. Who knows what we'll have in the future, obviously, but it feels like, um, well, as this, this album even sort of highlights, like time is running out in a sense and <laughs> all those kinds of themes that come through. And so how much more experimentation we'll get from, from the band as they hope to sort of, you know, set their mark, obviously. But um yeah, it's a, it's an interesting song. I know a lot of. It seems like a, there's a lot of like love hate for this one. What was the phrase you used? A, a marmaid of a song. Um, Marmite song. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, how about you, Kenny? What's where does Book of Your Heart sit with you? Uh, I'm with Aaron. I think this is a, a gem. Um, it's kind of one. Of, you know, I do scratch my head and and, and wonder. Well, I, I suppose I can understand why it doesn't sit on the main running order, but I think it's a cracking tune. Um, 
I don't know why this appearing act springs into my head whenever I think about it. Quite bizarrely, I keep, maybe it's just a title, but I always keep thinking of Simple Minds song, Book of Brilliant Things. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I don't know why, as I say, maybe it's just something I associate with my youth. Um, but I think it's, again, you know, I, I've mentioned it probably too many times about how I think Bono sings on this album and it's another great song that brings out how well he, he is vocally at the moment for me on that album. Great, love it. Yeah, Mason. Any additional thoughts for Book of Your Hearts? Or yeah, it, it's to me it sounds like it could be a, a a song from pop that they just they realized they had and threw onto this album. Like it's it's shocking to me. It was shocking to me how much it sounded like it could it belong there. It's like a it's like a B side to Do You Feel Loved or something like that. Um, I think it's I'm not as wild about it as you guys are. But I think it's a very good song. It's definitely one that's going to grow on me. And the vocals, I think, just how they're presented are some of the most fascinating. Because he starts the song off in, in such like a hushed tone, like a whisper. And then once he gets to like the second or third rep- repetition of the chorus, it's just he's singing like he's, you know, he's singing for his life. Just with so much passion and urgency, you know, the, the, and it, it's shocking to hear. And I completely agree with uh, what I think Kenny said about, or no, it was Aaron, sorry, uh, about this could absolutely replace, um, it could replace Landlady on the album. Like if you do, if you do Book of Your Heart, Little Things and uh, The Blackout, that's your heart of darkness. That's your three act of growing intensity and just, uh, and uh, upped production value and all that stuff. That would have been fantastic, but alas, we can't always get what we want. So, I, th- I think there is a general consensus about this song, though, that it should be in the main structure of the album. And I get slightly annoyed as well that you've got uh, Ordinary Love, which I don't understand why it's on the deluxe version. It makes no sense. I know it's a nice yeah. song and everything, but it doesn't even fit sequentially. It doesn't even mm-hmm. make sense. And then putting this in as a kind of a, just like a leftover, it's, 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 it's shameful, actually. They really should have put this in the main album. No choice about it. Yeah. Oh. But we also got spoiled with the Songs of Innocence Deluxe because they had there was like Absolutely. four new songs and acoustic yeah. sessions. So but I would like Crystal to see those come all those songs, oh. hand, yeah. Super songs. I, I hope and wonder maybe that they would uh, do a Songs of Experience Plus or whatever they'll call it uh, edition here. But um, maybe not because they don't feel like they have to sell an album this time around because they actually did sell the, <laughs> the album officially. But um, in a matter of well. So, yeah, hit number one in Billboard. So, um Final song that we'll talk about anyways is Lights of Home. We, we'll, we'll sort of skip over Ordinary Love just because like, it is a bit of a repeat of a song that's been around for a while. But um, Lights of Home, the St. Peter's String version that we referenced at the beginning. Um, Mason, I know you liked the original. You presumably like the the Strings version as much or more. Yeah, I do. Like I said, the it's it's called the St. Peter's Strings version for a reason. Uh, I was coming into it, I was assuming that the Strings would play more of a part and it would maybe be maybe without edge, just Bono, Larry and the strings doing the whole song. But, um, it's it's a heck of a start and it's a, it's a side of you too, that we haven't really seen before of them working with an orchestra and it. And that song is just an example of how much more epic these, some of these songs, not just on songs of experience, but just overall, how much more epic they could sound if they had string accompaniment, because the little thing about me 
is that the violin, cello, those are some of my favorite, that's some of my favorite music to listen to and just uh, on my own. And ooh, the song is, it's taken to another level with the with the St. Peter's Strings version. And I, I, I adore it. I think it's great. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is, this is still undoubtedly the best song on the album, Lights Home. It's the, the strongest song by a long, long way. And it'll be, I think, the one, the song that will be played a lot more again in future years, hopefully. Um, the, the, the thing about this song as well is that if you think about the the, the first on the album, the, the track two on the album, it's very, got almost like a Coldplay feel to it, you know? I don't know if you, you pick up on that vibe. And this version is, um, well, my friend Alan Scott in Liverpool, he, he's a big, big Radiohead fan. And in the way that the first version of the main album is very much like Coldplay, this is, in his opinion, and he's right, I think, this is like a, a Radiohead version. And it's almost like it should be not called St. Peter's String version, it should be like Burn the Witch version. You know, this is the, ra- the Radiohead first track. And uh, I think he's got his spot on there. Um, it's unusual that you get a remix song well not a remix but a different version that's as good as the the, the album version I, I don't have any favorites between the two you know i i, I think they're, they're they're like a yin and yang at the moment for me I, I i love the pair of them yeah i would argue i think the strings version could if i wish they almost would have had the guts to put it as the the version that's on the album just i think they're still like Ooh. i don't know that sort of 80s 90s band mentality of like you don't actually use strings or saxophones or <laughs> non-rock instruments on the on the albums or something like that i don't know uh, there's they've obviously used other instruments they use the kazoo maybe but um i think the they, I, used, I think, on, they used it on kazoo station if i remember right <laughs> oh. oh boy <laughs> I'll, I'll get i'll get my coat <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go to your room, Aaron. Go to. Your, I'm sure it's a couple floors down. <laughs> but um, <laughs> anyways, the uh, I th- I think it could be. Yeah, it's it is my the St. Peter Strings version is my favorite song on the album. I think right now, um, and it, it sounds awesome when you turn it up really loud in the car or in headphones or or just on the crappy computer speakers or whatever. It's uh, yeah, it it's. It you, you can feel this like Led Zeppelin cashmere type of song. It's that powerful when they put the strings behind it. it it's yeah. absolutely superb. Um, all right. Well, in, in sort of wrapping up this discussion and even potentially our, I'm sure not, I'm not saying we'll never talk about the album <laughs> on the at YouTube podcast or the site, obviously plenty of stuff still, still to come. But um, if you had to, your, your desert Island song from this album that you absolutely want to, listen to forever and ever and again um and then maybe the one song you can leave behind um in in brief i guess what uh, we'll go around the same same sort of circle here give you give kenny the most chance to to figure it out but uh, aaron what's your the one song you want to take and one song you want to leave my my just my distant island one is going to be lights of home and i'm happy to leave american soul (laughs) back to where it belongs (laughs) how about you mason Uh, I agree. Lights of Home, St. Peter's string version, however, and Landlady. Yeah. No, yeah. No surprise there. From what, how about you, Kenny? What, no. what about you? What's your uh, top and bottom of the album? Um, um, I think I would take with me the little things, um, and I would leave behind the showman. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Interesting. Good choices. Okay. I, I've said more than enough words about this album at this point, so I'm. I'll just. I'll say. I'll take. Um, 
uh, Lights of Home, the St. Peter String version for sure. And um, I could probably leave Book of Your Heart if we count that as part of the album, but um, that's just me. Maybe you have different opinions. If you want to send comments, thoughts, suggestions, rants, whatever to the podcast, you can use hashtag ask at you too. We uh, collect those. Uh, we haven't had, obviously, since we recorded yesterday, I haven't had a whole bunch of new stuff since then uh, that's come in, but uh, feel free to send in your thoughts on the album, your favorites, the song you can leave behind, um, things you disagree with, things you love about what we said on the podcast the, as part of the trilogy of <laughs> songs of experience that we've done. And uh, we'll be back with one more episode this year uh, for a sort of holiday wrap-up party of some sort, uh, talking through uh, 2017, the year that it was with U2 and at U2, the site, and uh, changes and highlights and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, watch for that. I guess that'll be episode 77, if I got my numbering correctly. We do try and stream it live. Today, I apologize. There's a bit of a couple of hiccups again for some reason in the stream. Um, the audio podcast version stays rock solid. So if, if nothing else, you can listen to that if the video versions aren't performing well for you. But uh, over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash goodstuff underscore FM, there's a YouTube channel. And uh, and then be sure to follow the uh, Twitter account, twitter.com slash AT. U2, Facebook.com slash ATU2com and Instagram.com slash ATU2com is where you can find us all. And gents, where can folks find you on the internet if they so desire? What uh we'll start with Aaron. Yep, um catch me on Twitter on at Ivanob I V A N O B E. And Mason, how about you? So I don't tweet much, so in lieu of that, I'm gonna offer a different something else. If you want my un my unabashed movie opinions, head to letterboxd. L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D dot com slash Mason Merritt. That's Merritt with an E, two R's, and two T's. I'm seeing Star Wars tonight, so it's going to be a lot of caps and exclamation points. Actually, well, I've already, I would already have seen Star Wars by the time this goes up, so check there anyways. But. Spoilers. Um, and Kenny, how about you? No. Hey, catch me on Twitter uh, at Sing No More, all the one word. And please come and visit the forum. We've reopened it again. So um, we had a, a wee sabbatical. So come by and say hello. That would be great to see you all there. Yes, that's uh, at, at com slash forums, is it? Or is it forums? I forget which way the yeah, that, goes. Forum, yeah, I think it's forum. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, at UT.com, and then you'll find the link, obviously. So, um, And uh, that's it. I'm I, Chris, on Twitter. And thank you for watching. Thank you for listening wherever you are in the world. Have a good day. Goodbye. Star Wars! You enjoyed my show. Ah, I can't wait. Only a couple more hours. I'm psyched.